बोला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरि नाम संकीर्तन की जय श्री श्री जगन्नाथ बलादेव सुभाद्री की जय थिरुवाप महोत्सव तीतिशिला रामानंद राय की जय पूजापाठ शिला दानुदर्शन महाराज की जय गौर भक्त वृंद की जय गौर प्रमाण हरि So, good afternoon to all of you, my pranam, and I'm very happy and fortunate to, to have the darshan of all the Vaishnavs. Thank you so much, Gopu Kishore Prabhu, and the whole family for the invitation, and of course, to Srila Dhanudar Maharaj for his blessings and permission for me to associate with all of you here. So, I'm very happy to try to share some Harikata in the auspicious occasion of <coughs> the Tirobab Mahotsav of Srila. Ramananda Roy, who is a very uh, important personality for us as Gaudiya Vaishnavs, and Gaur Lila, one of the most crucial associates. He's mentioned as one of four Antaranga Bhaktas of Sriman Mahaprabhu, a very, very close associate that play a very significant role in relation to the, we could say, the, the most confidential reason for the descent of the Chaitanya Dev. So I would like to share some words today about what Ramananda Roy represents for us in connection to Mahaprabhu, especially in relation to the most, we could say, moment, most important moment between the two of them that we sometimes refer to as Ramananda Sambhat, or the conversation that took place between Ramananda Roy, Sri Chaitanya Devi, in Odavari, South India. So, but before reaching the South, <laughs> all began in, in Jagannath Puri, actually a little bit northern, since we are here in Jagannath Mandir, Bipralambakshetra, we have an embassy here in Lachal, so let's begin there, because we are here. <laughs> so we know Mahaprabhu Sri Chaitanya Dev, <clears throat> he established his, his headquarters in Jagannath Puri by the wise advice of Mother Sachi, Mother knows best, and they say, so when Mahaprabhu was telling to her, Okay, I, in a moment of madness, I accepted this sannyas. So what should I do now? I can go back with you home. No? But Sachi, was, he was concerned about what the world will think of my boy. I don't want to, him to be seen as a, as a mama's boy coming back home after accepted sannyas. You can imagine. <laughs> I accept sannyas and call my mom. Mom, sorry, I made a mistake. I go back home tomorrow. <laughs> So, not Mama Chari, no, <laughs> in this case. So, Sachi very wisely ad- advised, no, you, you are not to return to Nadia anymore, but please establish yourself in Jagannath Puri, which is not so far from Navadvip, not so far as if you go to Vrindavan. And she said, Puri is like another room in the same house. So, always there will be the devotees coming and going, I will receive news from you constantly. So... Mahaprabhu established his headquarters there in, in, in Puridham. And as you know, both basically the main, the very first thing that happened with Mahaprabhu reached Puri, was, which was that, the conversion of Sarvabhuma Bhattacharya. That happened on day one, <laughs> Mahaprabhu in Puri. He converted the, high, the topmost pandit and logician in, in the whole India, and arguably in the whole world. <laughs> the very first day, as we know, he converted Sarvabhuma. I won't enter into the details of that. But... <clears throat> Once Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya was converted, after seven days, as you know, Sarvabhoma tried to expose Vedanta to Mahaprabhu, and Mahaprabhu only listened to him. 
in silence. And he converted Sarvabhoma through silence. That was how powerful the achar of Mahaprabhu was. He didn't need to open his mouth, but he just stayed there. And his achar was exuding, you say, from him. So powerful that the greatest logician in the whole India after seven days of silence was totally almost to the point of conversion. So Mahaprabhu then opened his mouth for the checkmate, say two, three words, and Sarvabhoma was the passionate Gaudiya Vaishnava after that day. <laughs> Before that he was studying Vedanta very dryly and soberly, and after the second day he was dancing wildly with Mahaprabhu. So, and there's interestingly, Krishna Das Kaviraj presents three levels in which Sarvabhoma's conversion is depicted. The first one is Mahaprabhu arrives at Sarvabhoma's house the next day he was converted and brings Jagannath Prasad, Mahaprasad, very early in the morning. Sarvabhoma was sleeping. So, accordingly to the smart uh, tradition and what Sarvabhoma was following before being converted, you cannot accept Mahaprasad before doing your Sandhya Bandhan and all these morning rituals. So, Mahaprabhu came just like, I don't know, two in the morning with Jagannath Prasad to Sarvabhoma in the bed yet. And Sarvabhoma, after his conversion, took the Mahaprasad and started honoring him. So, Mahaprabhu was like, very good. Your bhakti is above karma, above all this karma kanda section of the... You're no longer, oh, first I have to take a bath if, and do this. No, no, no. Mahaprasad is Mahaprasad. No? Mm -hmm. So, first level of conversion of Sarvabhoma, he passed the test of, of karma. No? It was not karma, Mishra Bhakti. No? <laughs> then the second one was very, some days after that, Sarvabhoma came like mad to Mahaprabhu, protesting with, because of one word in the Bhagavatam. Mm -hmm. Maybe you know the famous Vrtatenukampamsusimikshamano. No? So this word mukti, that is so dear to the jnanis, Sarvabhuma was one of them some days back, <laughs> mukti was all for them, now Sarvabhuma came with his edition of the Bhagavatam and he crossed off the word mukti and said, I don't like this word mukti, it should say bhakti, no? <laughs> So Sarvabhoma came with this notion that I, I don't want, I cannot even read the word mukti. And Mahaprabhu was, wow, two days before you were all for mukti. And now you're just, of course Mahaprabhu said, you cannot just change the words in the Bhagavatam. And actually the word mukti pade means bhakti, to, at whose feet mukti resides. So Mahaprabhu gave the devotional explanation, but he was happy. Okay, so Sarvabhoma's bhakti is about karma, was about karma, he accepted Jagannath Prasad, now it's about jnana. He cannot bear the word mukti <laughs> in an impersonal sense. But there was a third level of test, and this is connected with Ramananda Roy. Some days after, Sarvabhoma approaches Mahaprabhu and says, when Mahaprabhu officially decides, I will, tour, I will go and tour to South India, because it's my duty as a sannyasi to, to travel, but his associates won't let Mahaprabhu travel, because they were so attached to Mahaprabhu as as a town boy in Nimai, actually. No, the, the, the Nitya Siddhas of Mahaprabhu, eternal associates, were not seeing Mahaprabhu as a sannyasi. They were saying like, oh, that's why we don't worship generally Mahaprabhu as sannyasi in the altar. Because our prospect is not that. Although his sannyasi is so important for us as sadhakas, <laughs> ultimately he will be Vishwambar you know, in, in Nitya Navadu. So when he said, I will travel to South India because it's my duty as a sannyasi, his associates were not convinced. They said, no, 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 you should stay here with us. <laughs> but when he said, but I will look for my brother, they said, oh, that's okay. 
you have some family sensibilities. Yeah, he's a family boy. That's okay. That's we like that. No, the associates of Mahaprabhu think in these terms. He's one of us. He wants to look for his brother. That's okay. <laughs> Although Vishparuk, Mahaprabhu's brother, had already departed. So it is said that actually the ultimate reason for Mahaprabhu's touring South India was to meet Ramananda Roy. That will be arguably the most crucial moment in the whole Gorlila, as we will see. So, <clears throat> in connection to this journey, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya heard, okay, Mahaprabhu wants to go south. So, Sarvabhoma approaches Mahaprabhu and says, do you, want, do you know what? I will advise you to meet one person called Rai Ramananda. Before, I knew him from some time. He, he, he works as a, how do you say in English, like viceroy in the government, viceroy. Yeah. He, work, he works as a viceroy in the government of Pratapurudra Maharaj. So I got to meet him, Sarvabhama said, but for me it was a weird fellow in the beginning. But because I was not, Sarvabhama said, converted to you, I was not a weird fellow. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was too sober, gyani. Now, now I'm a weird fellow, a crazy guy singing and chanting. <laughs> so now that I've been maddened by your mercy, Mahaprabhu, I can understand someone like Ramananda. So, and I can tell you that you and he have something in common, Sarvabhama says. So I, I advise you that whenever you are nearby Godavari, try to meet him. So Mahaprabhu said, oh, this, this shows another degree of Sarvabhama's conversion. He acquired a sensibility for recommending Sadhu Sangha, Sajatiya Sadhu Sangha. Mm-hmm. Mahaprabhu, you, you should go there. So to say at that moment, Sarvabhama Bhattacharya also is considered by Mahaprabhu as his Diksha Guru. So Mahaprabhu generally has four Gurus. Diksha Guru, Kesha Bharati, uh, sorry, Ishwar Puri, Sanyas Guru, Kesha Bharati, now Sarvabhoma, Siksha Guru, and the fourth one will be Ramananda Roy, Raga Marga Guru, as we will see. Mm-hmm. So, the point is, okay, he will start to, and this journey to South India will connect his preaching travelings, his duty as a sannyasi, with the inner purpose of his descent. Remember, Mahaprabhu's main purpose for descending was to taste Radha Bhava. But the external purpose is to disseminate the Yuga Dharma. So the, these two purposes will be connected in this journey, because as a mendicant traveler, he will preach, but he will meet Ramananda, who will school, if you will, Mahaprabhu, into his inner culture of, of, of Radha Bhava. Hmm? So, <clears throat> and for most of our acharyas, this, this meeting represents like the zenith in the whole Chaitanya Charitamrita. Very, very zenith. Interestingly, Srila Prabhupada, maybe you know about this, but he wrote a, a longer, uh, let's say, article, a world book, I would say, about Mahaprabhu, but one big part of this, and it was called In Search of the Ultimate Goal of Life. Bhakti Gaurav Narasimha Maharaj, he published that. Because he he found this text in, in one trunk, you say, mm. of Prabhupada's writings in the Radha Damodar temple. He wrote that in 1959, mm. one year after accepting sannyas, still in, still, in Vrindavan, still in Vrindavan, before reaching west. So he wrote the whole Ramananda Sambad in his own words, and he called it In Search of the Ultimate Goal of Life. So you can imagine, it was something important for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was there at the background of, of the whole campaign he started then. So, so now we, we described a little bit the, the stage in Puri. So now from Puri, let's go south. Before going up, before reaching the zenith of Brajalila, let's go. We have to go down. 
It's one, one friend of mine saying, falling upward. Mm-hmm. If you want to go up, sometimes you have to go down first. <laughs> then you can go up. So let's go to the south. Let's go to Godavari. Godavari is the place in the south where Mahaprabhu met Ramananda Roy. So interestingly, Godavari, as you may know, is the name of a, of a sacred river in India. It's one of the sometimes seven rivers. So you say, Ganga Chaya Munachaya Godavari. Saraswati Godavari. So Godavari can mean go da body. So body means like main source. Da means to give. Like in Spanish, da means give. And go in this case means water. So go da body could mean one of the main sources of water. Yeah, it's a river. Okay, one of the main sources. But also if you take the word go as beda, as you can, Govinda has to do with also the bed. Godavari, Sila Siddhar Maharaj says, is that place at which the highest conception, body, bottom, the highest conception of the Veda, go da, is being presented. And the ultimate uh, converging point of Gaudiya Vedanta, which will be the conversation between Mahaprabhu and Roy Ramananda, it will reach a zenith, it will be the Godavari, the highest reaching point of the Veda. <laughs> So the whole Veda converges into this Godavari. So, to make a long story relatively short, we know that eventually Mahaprabhu reaches Godavari and he meets uh, Ramananda for the first time. So Ramananda was a Grihasta. <clears throat> he was born in Sudravarna, interestingly. He was a viceroy. On, on, and on the other side of the scale, you have Mahaprabhu as a sannyasi, as a Brahmin, so if, if, if you really measure the, show, the social implications of that, generally at those times, those people won't be mixing with each other. But this was not the case. No, to say that right at the moment where Mahaprabhu saw Ramananda Roy, of course, again, here we have Krishna himself and, as we will see, Bisaka Gopi, ultimately. So re-encountering in the new Lila. So they see themselves and they start to embrace each other and to cry profusely, mm. and to pass out eventually. Mm. And Ramananda was being carried in palanquin, he was a renowned person in government, so suddenly all the people who were carrying him were like, what's going on between these two? I mean, he's a sudra, he's a sannyasi, what's a sannyasi embracing a non-Brahmin? If you travel in time and, and measure the social implications of that, that was really making a statement about what Mahaprabhu's dispensation is about. Sarbadharman paritya ja in one sense. No? We, we overwrite Barnashram in one sense, as we will see. In one sense. <laughs> no? As we will see, Mahaprabhu will say, Ramananda will say, Mahavokiba biprakibanyasa sudrakini nai. Say Krishna tattabit, say Guru hai. I don't care if we are a sannyasi, if one is a Brahmin or this. And all these are upadis, strictly speaking. All these are designations. Of course, we offer proper regard, sannyasi, this, but eventually that's an upadi. I'm a sannyasi, <laughs> and I'm to transcend my sannyasasram at one point. It doesn't mean I will break my vows. <laughs> no, I won't go below, but I have to go beyond this. Mahaprabhu himself said, I'm not sannyasi, I'm not Brahmin, I'm not this, I'm not that. Gopi Bhartu Padakamala, you're das, das, and that. That's my ultimate designation. Sarvo Padivinir Muktam. We have to totally transcend all sense of upadi. Of course, in a 
as we will see, in a healthy way, not in a dysfunctional way. Like you have to transcend, and you <laughs> transcendence means, for me at least, is integration, not, not dismissal, because we sometimes have the wrong idea of rejecting stuff and becoming hard-hearted in the name of being transcendental, <laughs> and instead of becoming devotional human beings, we become I don't know what. <laughs> We would like to be a devotional superheroes, but first become a devotional human being. That's much more becoming. <laughs> so, well, the point is that the two of them found found themselves on this so-called sudra again. So-called sudra, Ramananda Roy was actually Vishaka Gopi appearing in the Gorlila as an, what sometimes is called Ramananda Roy is depicted sometimes as a Sahaja Vaishnava. So that's an interesting point because. Some people say, oh, he was a sahaja. Sahaja, you know this word. It refers to those who take things cheaply, if you want. The word sahaja means actually natural or spontaneous. And that's why Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur expressed himself in terms of prakrita sahaja, which means takes things natural in a mundane way. So you end up imitating the leelas of Radha and Krishna and, and degrading yourself in the name of the higher things, so unbecoming. But, but Ramananda was an aprakrita sahaja. The gopis are called sahajas in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Because sahaja means someone who does, who, who does someone spontaneously. It's not a problem with the word sahaja in itself. <laughs> if you are doing that spontaneously, really. So aprakrita sahaja means, aprakrita means, it seems prakrita, it seems mundane, but it's aprakrita, which means supra-transcendental. So someone like this was Ramananda Roy. And sometimes he was found teaching the Devadasis in Jagannath Puri how to dance for Jagannath. And sometimes he will touch the body of the ladies in order to teach them how to do that. And of course this may seem like, oh, oh what's going on here? <laughs> but it, and, and these were the things that Sarvabhoma thought, oh, this is a weird guy. But eventually he realized, no, 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 he was absorbed fully in Gopi Bhav by doing this. He had no Purusha Bhav. He had no male sensibilities while doing that. I mean, you cannot just imitate that. <laughs> you go to hell, basically. But he was able to be fully immersed there. So, <clears throat> so one side we have this so-called sudra being actually an aprakrita sahaja, being visaka gopi, and this so-called sannyasi is Krishna himself trying to culture the mood of Radha. He says so-called in the sense that they are much more than what they, it seems. So... Ma, he, he, this will be a very crucial moment because Mahaprabhu will be systematically schooled by Ramananda Roy about how to culture Radhabab, the main purpose for his descent. And a byproduct of which is the dissemination of the Yuga Dharma. To say that Mahaprabhu was so full in, in himself, in himself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that it started to overflow and that started to sprinkle others. And that became his dissemination in this age. That's real, as we spoke the other day with Dhanudar Maharaj. That's real achar and prachar. Prachar implies achar. The word achar is inside the word prachar. Interestingly, pra-achar means a special type of achar. We call preaching sometimes, but actually means prachar, which means you behave in a certain way, that becomes immediately like contagious, epidemic. Some people will say Mahaprabhu was... Some Indologist historians will say Mahaprabhu was an epileptic. That, that's their the maximum 
praise they have to say. He was an epileptic who went mad at the end and died. <laughs> but we have our proof why he was not an epileptic, because epile epilepsy is not contagious. <laughs> but whatever Mahaprabhu exhibited was contagious. People just look at him crying, start to cry. Swooning, this follow as well. So that's not epilepsy. <laughs> it's an epidemic, but not epilepsy. It's not coronavirus, but it's karuna. Coronavirus. <laughs> That's the real, the real one, coronavirus. We want that. <laughs> so, well, the point is that Mahaprabhu's culture of his main purpose for his descent officially starts to, if you will, begin here systematically in this point of conversation with Ramananda, or Ramananda Sambhad. Sambhad means um, conversation. It's the highest type of, of dialogue. <clears throat> you have... Uh, uh, how do you call it? Uh, jalpa, Bitanda, uh, yeah, Jalpa, Bitanda, Sambhat, Jalpa, and Bitanda. Bitanda means this so-called conversation where the two parties only want to defeat each other, and they are screaming and don't let the other person speak. Uh, just enter Facebook and you have an example of that. <laughs> uh, uh, they have you. That's more tamasic in nature. It's so-called conversation. Then you have Jalpa, which means I politely let you speak. But I'm actually waiting for my turn to say my thing, my stuff. I don't care what you're saying, but I'm diplomatic, so yeah, you can speak. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at the watch, like, when's my turn? <laughs> and bada, or sambad, it means that conversation where both, both parties are interested in truth. I don't want to defeat you. I want truth to defeat us, if you will, to, to reign over us. I want truth to be victorious. So... No matter if you are the winner, I am the winner, truth is the winner. So Sambhat has to do with that spirit of, of exchange. And that we find in the Bhagavad Gita, generally that happens between teacher and student, also sometimes between equals. But we find that Parikshit and Sukadev, Arjun and Krishna, questions and answers, unreal passionate hunkering for knowing the truth, Sarvatra, Sarvadas. Donald Maharaj was saying last Sunday, looking everywhere and everywhere for the truth with this type of inquiry. So, this Ramananda Sambhad is, <clears throat> I will say, the, yeah, the very essence of the whole Chaitanya Charitamrita. If you take out the Ramananda Sambhad from Chaitanya Charitamrita, Chaitanya Charitamrita, I don't want to say it becomes useless because it's too heavy to say, but something like that. <laughs> because... And, and Bernie have said that, like in the same way you take the Mahabharat and you take out the Bhagavad Gita, Mahabharat doesn't stand any longer. Because the whole other parts of the Mahabharat, the intrigue, the politics, the romance, all this relativity to catch our attention and put it on the edge of our seats. What's next? What's next? The idea is that you read Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> and that was the whole purpose of the whole Mahabharat. So similarly, the Ramananda Sambhad is like the Bhagavad Gita of the Gaur Lila. So the whole Chaitanya Charitamrita is there to that crucial point, that entry point. And, and because of that, Mahaprabhu compared Ramananda Roy to Arjuna. He said, oh, your father, Bhavananda Roy, is Pandu, and you are Arjuna. Like implying... Now we will speak about that a little bit, because I already said Brahmananda Roy was Visaka. <laughs> now I'm saying it's Arjuna. And there are some other identities there as well. So The point why, why he's saying you are Arjuna, not necessarily because he is Arjuna in every sense of the term, but because 
the particular exchange he had with with Mahaprabhu in this conversation is very similar to Krishna and Arjuna speaking in the Gita. Sometimes I don't know. Um, Hari Das Thakur, he's considered Brahma. But sometimes he's compared to Prahlad Maharaj. But it's not that he is Prahlad Maharaj. But why he's compared to Prahlad? Because Prahlad was beaten and tried to be killed so many times. Hari Das Thakur went through similar experiences. So in, with that type of idea in mind, sometimes the charas compare one with the other. So in this sense, we could say if we want to take Brahmananda as Arjuna following this comparison, we'll say, okay, Krishna spoke the Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna and wanted to know, did Arjuna really understood the ultimate essence of the Gita? So now, as Mahaprabhu, he's testing Arjuna. Let's see how much you understood from, from the time we spoke to Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> so now you will struck and I will hear. The roles are inverted. Krishna Mahaprabhu is the pupil and he will tell Ramananda, you speak. Let's see how much you... Not like the teachers sometimes give, tell, tell the student, you give the class today. Mm. No? And we will see Arjuna understood pretty well. <laughs> the reach of the Ramananda Sambhadis is really very, very high. Mm. So... <clears throat> Mahaprabhu will inquire from, from Ramananda Roy, interestingly. He will put himself in the role of a student again. Ramananda will act as Mahaprabhu's Raga Marga Guru. I will tell him, please instruct me about Sadhya, Sadhana, Tattva. The truth about Sadhya and Sadhana. Sadhana means the means, <laughs> and Sadhya means that which is to be attained through Sadhana. The means and the goal, basically. So try speak about those things, which is the goal, the ultimate goal of life, and how to attain it. And he says, whatever you say, uh, support it with Shastra, which is an important point. Just do not start to speak whatever you, you feel, if you will. <laughs> but it has to be proven with Shastra. Shastra is the, <clears throat> there is the, the, the consensus for, for speaking about transcendence for us Godis is, Let's go to Revelation, what Revelation is saying. Shabda Praman. Our faith should be uh, rooted in Shastra. Rupa Goswami says, Shastriya Shraddha. No Lokika Shraddha. Lokika Shraddha means like sentimental faith. I have some faith, but it's not rooted in Shastra. In what Revelation says. So the question is, it's rooted in what? I don't know, but <laughs> the idea is that faith should be rooted in Revelation, basically. We, we will be connected in, on firm ground there. I have faith on what the sacred texts are saying. And on that basis, my faith is built. So, so Mahaprabhu invited Ramananda to speak in these terms, and Ramananda starts to present different opportunity, different options of the ultimate goal. And Mahaprabhu will say, Eho Bahya, which means that's like superficial, external. Agikahar, go further. Like augment that truth. Tell me more. So I will be brief. I briefly touch on, on some of the things that Ramananda said. This will require like a series of, I don't know, three lifetimes or something. <laughs> Not even three weeks or three days. <laughs> There's so much to unpack. But interestingly, the very first thing that Ramananda will propose when Mahaprabhu says, okay, what's the goal of life and how to attain it? He will say, Barnashram Dharma. He will quote one verse from the Vishnu Purana, which generally extols the glories of Barnashram. And of course, Mahaprabhu will say, that's superficial, continue. Hmm? 
But there is some important point in this connection. Okay, we say, okay, Barna Ashram was the most immediate, the immediate thing that Ramananda suggested, like implying, even though this is not the goal of life, we need to go through this in order to reach the goal of life, maybe in the very beginning. And Barna Ashram means, of course, Barna Ashram is not something that is operative in nowadays society. It's not that the whole world is being ruled by this type of system. But nonetheless, the very essence of the system remains. I mean, there is natures in people. There is occupational tendencies. People were more inclined towards intellectual fields, mercantile, you say, mm-hmm. areas, laborer, and stu- blah, blah, blah. So still those natures are there. It's not that have disappeared. So it's important that we integrate uh, our humanity. My Guru Mahesh will speak in terms of horizontal development. Now, we want vertical development, we want to go to transcendence, but in order to reach there, we need some horizontal development also. We need to have firm ground on this world as well. Because I can tell you, okay, the goal of life is to, whatever, as we all see, to develop Braja Prem. Okay, but if I don't know where I will sleep this night, probably I first need to solve that first <laughs> before <laughs> thinking about such a thing. I don't know what I will eat tomorrow. Maybe I need to have that in place. No? So, <laughs> no? And, and uh, like this, so many other things that every person will have different needs. And some people will need to have a partner to be emotionally uh, balanced. And it's okay. Um, un- un- unless and until they do not have that, they may have some disturbance and they won't be able to really focus in the practices they will do with that support. So those details have to be in place for us to, but for us to point in that direction, the Bhagavatam says that, Samsidir Haritoshnam, the ultimate purpose of Barnashram is to give pleasure to Hari. It has to converge there. But as we mentioned, it's Barnashram has to do with our human sensibilities. They not, they not need to be neglected. They are not the goal of life because that's delicate. Sometimes we say, we need to pay attention to who we are as humans and we have to we have these needs, and, but sometimes you can really go too much in that direction also, <laughs> because there will be no end to that either. No. I have this need, and I have, and I want to be, but, but it never happens if you invest only in that direction. So we need just to, and, and we have to be honest with ourselves, which is really what we really need, and when we are going beyond that need and really indulging in excess and distracting ourselves from from the ultimate goal. So. So that, that's a point. No? So by Ramananda mentioning this first, he's making this point. Barnashram, these psycho-emotional sensibilities that we have as humans are not to be dismissed totally, but are not the goal either. The ultimate goal. It may be a short-term goal. <laughs> I need to solve this. We need to establish this hierarchy in our life. Short-term goals, middle-term goals, long-term goals. Because long-term, yes, let's love Krishna Vrindal, and that's long-term goal for most <laughs> Immediate term goal, maybe again, where I will sleep tonight or something. I need to to integrate that. It's not just no, no, no. Just as we say today in the car, just Hare Krishna, be happy. Okay. (laughs) 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 Once my guru master will give a lecture and 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 explaining all this complex stuff that I'm sharing with you also, (laughs) and someone say, but why we cannot just chant Hare Krishna and be happy? Why are you making things so complicated? And he replied, well, you tell me, 
do you only chant Hare Krishna and, and are happy? You are only doing that? Or you need to work, you need to do this? I say, no, no, I do so many other things. So, you see, I mean, <laughs> it's not that we only chant Hare Krishna and are happy. We still, to be happy, we need to accommodate so many other things. Eventually, we may have the potential, only chant Hare Krishna and be happy. But it's for most a goal to attain, if you will. No? So, as we say today, between the chant Hare Krishna and the be happy, there are some brackets with so many things to consider. <laughs> so many implications to unpack. Big brackets there. So do not forget that thing. Because if you try to jump, chant, and be happy, you may say, I'm not happy yet. It's not working. And you may lose even faith. Oh, this chanting is not working. No, it's working. But try to understand what's in between the chant and the be happy, <laughs> which is part of the chanting. I mean, chanting is not just open your mouth and say, Hare Krishna. But... Con like arrange your whole lifestyle in such a way that it's conducive to that chanting. So mm. For each one it will be a long list of different things. So it's important to take the time for that. Okay, let's go to the same, the, the, next, uh, the next point. Because with each one is again a whole session. So Mahaprabhu say continue, augment that truth. So Ramananda will propose then Krishna Karmarpa, which means Try to offer the fruit of your activities to Krishna. Mm -hmm. Sometimes called Karma Mishra Bhakti. Mm -hmm. Bhakti mixed with Karma. So he quotes famous verse from the Gita, Yat Karosi, Yat Knasi, Yat Yugosi, Jajasi, Yat Yattapasu, Shikanti, Yat Kuru, Shamadarpana. Which, which means Krishna is saying, whatever you do, whatever you uh, offer, whatever you eat, whatever austerities you perform, whatever, do them as an offering to me. Do them and offer them to me. So it sounds like very high standard. Wow, everything offering to Krishna. But actually, it's not that high in comparison, of course, to <laughs> the previous verse of the Gita. Patram pushpam falam to yam jume bhakti prayajati and so on. Where Krishna says, offer me everything, whatever, fruit, leaf, flower, whatever, but with bhakti bhakti. Two times he says bhakti there. Why is it, the other verse is inferior? Because Krishna is saying, do whatever you do, offer that to me after doing that. Before. But Haigar Bhakti means instead of doing something and offering that to Krishna, I offer myself to Krishna and I do anything. <laughs> I mean, not anything. <laughs> but you follow the difference. One thing is I do something and I don't know where is my mind at that moment. But at the end, it's okay. We have to begin somewhere. But a higher level is I offer myself. I am the offering. That's another level of awareness. The offering is not something different from me. After you offer many things so many times, the result will be you will reach the conclusion I was the offering. <laughs> all these plates and incense and things I will wave, all this was actually meant to make me realize I am the one that is to. Swaha. <laughs> Swaha means that. I, mean, I offer myself into this fire of sacrifice. <laughs> so, it's an interesting idea. So again, Mahaprabhu says that's not so high. Continue. Superficial. Continue. Again, for some people it's super high, but for Mahaprabhu, superficial. <laughs> Continue. So, <clears throat> then... Ramananda will quote another famous word from the Gita, Sarvadharma Parityaja, Mamekam Sharanambhaja, and so on. Which, in this case, he's quoting them in the context of Sarvadharma Tyag, which means, abandon all Dharma 
accept sannyasa become a contemplative which was the, the popular and popular understanding of this verse at that time for us that this verse meant means something else ultimately this is speaking about the gopis in Vrindavan. they reject all social convention their own reputation everything and just run behind the sound of the flute without even if, if someone says but what, 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 will, what will they think about their houses? They forgot they, ha they have houses. <laughs> they forgot they have families. They forgot about themselves. Self-forgetfulness in, the, in divine love. But again, the popular understanding was Sarva Dharma Paritya reject totally all Dharma and accept sannyas. In that time, that was the popular idea. So Ramananda is quoting the verse in that context. How people understood the verse at that time. Interestingly. And Mahaprabhu say. That's superficial. Continue. In the sense, again, of that meaning. It's not that from Mahaprabhu, the conclusion of the Gita, this verse, Prabhupada will say, this is the conclusion of the Gita. It's not superficial, but how people was understanding that was superficial. So continue. The goal is not just rejecting all Barnashram and wandering in the world. So then, Ravananda quotes another verse from the Gita, Brahma Bruta Prasanad Mana Sochatina Kangshati Sarmasaba Samasarbesubutisu Matpaktim Lavatibra. Which is Gyan Sunya Bhakti. Bhakti mixed with Gyan, with the desire of obtaining mukti, of obtaining liberation. I want mukti, but I employ bhakti to help me in that connection because I cannot obtain mukti without bhakti. You cannot obtain any goal without the help of bhakti. That's mentioned in the Bhagavatam. So Mahaprabhu will say that's superficial. Continue. I'm going a little bit quick because there are so many other stages that we want to reach. <laughs> when Mahaprabhu starts to say, this this becomes starts to be interesting now. The next stage. Ramananda will quote a famous verse from the Bhagavat. Now we turn to the Bhagavat. <laughs> so Ramananda will say, Gyan Shivanti sammukaritam bhavadiya vartam stanesti tasriti gatam tanubharma nodbi je prayasu jitaito priyasitra isilogi. So, here Ramananda always says, proposes gyan sunya bhakti, which means bhakti free from all gyan, free from all desire of mukti, of liberation, bhakti for bhakti's sake. That's an important point. I'm not worshipping Krishna for even getting freed from samsara. Bhakti Nautakur calls, if your bhakti points to mukti, he, he even makes a point, that's an anartha to be eradicated. When he presents the different anarthas in Bhajan Rahasya, so one of them is desire for mukti. And he doesn't necessarily mean mukti in an impersonal way, any type of mukti. He says, in our school, still that's a separate desire. I want Something I want, mukti. <laughs> so I want. No, I, I'm I'm interested in what you want. I remember once one devotee approached Bhakti Golden Narasimha Maharaj say, Guru Maharaj, yes, I, I want to tell you something. Yes, tell me. I want. Stop. No. <laughs> Wrongly formulated the, 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 the sentence. <laughs> Begin again. <laughs> you won't go to the higher plane with. The, I want. But the question, my my question will be, what do you want? How can I serve? Hmm? Kinkara, that's the, the very word kinkara. Mahaprabhu says, Ajinanda Tanoya Kinkara. Kinkara means servant, but Kinkara means Kim Karomi. Kinkara means Kim what? Kara, do. 
what, what can I do? That's very nice how Sanskrit works. The word servant etymologically means, what can I do? That is this disposition of a servant. How can I serve you today? That's the only question. Prabhupada wants to say that. That's the only question we, the disciple has for the Guru. How can I serve you? Of course, there are many other questions, but all of them in that, inside that question. Because if I make some question outside of the context of how can I serve you, why are you making that question? Out of curiosity, just to entertain your intellect a little bit. <laughs> it all should converge in how can I serve you better and better. So, so here Ramananda presents this idea bhakti for bhakti's sake, not interested even in liberation. So Mahaprabhu says, okay, now we are going somewhere. Till this point, Mahaprabhu is saying superficial, reject, continue, superficial. Now Ramananda say, reject Igyam Prayasa Udapasya, totally rejecting the search for Mukti through Yam. We engage in Bhakti. Okay, that's nice. Elaborate on that foundation. That's a good foundation. Let's go on. So now Ramananda will turn to Prem Bhakti. And he will quote a very nice verse from Srila Rupa Goswami's. Padyavali, Krishna bhakti rasa bhavitamati kriyatam yadikuto piladvite tatra laulam apyakalamolyam janmakoti sukritam laladvite. Sila Prabhupada, this is a very nice verse, which Sila Prabhupada liked so much. Actually, he said, we, we say that the other day. When I name my society, International Society for Krishna Consciousness, the concept Krishna Consciousness that was so much used by him came from this verse, he said. Came from this first line, especially Krishna Bhakti Rasa Bhavitamati, which means when your intelligence is, is drenched in Krishna Bhakti Rasa, Kriyatam Yadikuto Pilavyate. Tatra Laulema Pikalamulem Jamakoti Sukritana If you want to your consciousness, your intelligence to be deeply engrossed in, in Krishna Prem, that won't be attained even by hundreds and millions of births of performing pious actions. There's only one, one price to pay. That means lolium, it says. Greed. Whenever you find that greed for that type of love, go there, no matter what, no matter the form it takes. So this verse describes Prem in the context of Raga Nuga Bhakti. So Ramananda represents this notion to Mahaprabhu. Prem in the context of Raga Nuga Bhakti, interestingly, Prabhupada names his society after that verse which speaks about Prem in the context of Raga Nuga Bhakti. <laughs> so that was Krishna consciousness. Because sometimes we may get accustomed to use terms. Krishna consciousness, Krishna consciousness. But what does it mean, Krishna consciousness? Where does it converge? The final point of what Krishna consciousness for Srila Prabhupada ultimately. So that's nice to have in mind where how it should be developed in our own life. So he will say, okay, this is Prem. Mahabharata said, that's nice, but continue. <clears throat> that's interesting because generally we say, the goal of life is Prem. Yeah, but still the idea of Prem is it's abstract. Because if I tell you, okay, the goal is Prem, you may ask me, okay, which type of Prem? So many types of Prem. I mean, if you say Prem already, you have reached somewhere, but still, which Prem? By Kunta Prem? For Lakshmi Narayan, <laughs> Prem like that's like the Han, that the one Hanuman has for for Ram in Ajodhya. And someone said, no, 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 Prem for Krishna, Krishna Prem. Okay, so I will ask you which type of Krishna Prem, <laughs> which Krishna, <laughs> Krishna Vrindavan, 
Mathura, Dwarka. I mean, you have all these destinies, these possibilities. All of them correspond with the type of Prem. When we say Mathura, Dwarka, Brinda, we are all not only speaking about geographical locations, we are speaking about levels of Prem that correspond with a particular location. So you may say, okay, Braja Prem. Okay, Braja Prem. We are go getting somewhere. <laughs> so which type of Braja Prem? Mahaprabhu came to give mostly Charibhav, Ndasi, Sakya, Vatsali, Madhurya. Which of all these four? So let's say someone says, Madhurya Prem. But not be racist. Remember the term the other day. Right? <laughs> there are possibility for more. But let's say someone says, Madhurya Prem. <laughs> Madhurya Prem for Christian Vinda. We don't to be racist in the context of Rasa. Don't be racist. No? So, Madhurya Prem. Okay, someone will like, okay, which type of Madhuri Prem? Swakiya? Parakiya? Uh, okay, Parakiya Prem. Of course, it's not that you choose like this, like if you go to the supermarket, like, okay, give me Parakiya Prem. <laughs> All this will come out of its own accord by Sadhu Sangha, but I'm just presenting it. So, Parakiya Prem, okay, which type of Parakiya Prem? Drupa Goswami mentions those two, two options Sambhogi Chatmika, Tat Chatmika. The one that you want direct romantic service union to Krishna or that you will serve a Naika or a Juteshwari, a group leader, lady lover, and you will attach herself and have a vicarious experience of what she's experiencing in her service to Krishna, which is mostly our tradition, as Manjari Bhav serving Sri So one may say, okay, that one. That, that Bhavi Chatmika calls sometimes Manjari Bhavulasrati. So then, okay, so under the shelter of which group leader? Hmm? You want Chandravali's group? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Shirada's group? Okay, Shirada's group. Okay, and which will be your your, your group leaders in Manjari? In, in, as a Manjari, you have so many groups as well. Rupa Manjari. So my point is, from the idea of Prem, it, 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 we go to so much specific detail. And that's, I mean, you, if you say, I want Prem, you won't get anywhere just saying, I want Prem. <laughs> because all these questions will come. So my point is, Ramananda say, Prem, the goal of life. Mahaprabhu say, yes, but still, we need further specification. So let's go into details. So, of course, <clears throat> Ramananda will continue, will start to just describe in detail Dasya Prem, Sakya Prem, Patsalya Prem, I'm jumping quickly now here, unfortunately, so much to say, but and eventually Madhurya Prem, and reaching Madhurya Prem, of course, the important point here, re returning to the idea of racism, <laughs> is that even though objectively we could say Madhurya Prem is the sweetest one, because it is, subjectively, we may feel something else as, as most attractive for us. Like if I tell to you, I don't know, objectively the sweetest fruit is mango. I don't know if it is, but it may be. <laughs> so objectively speaking, that's the sweetest. But you may say, okay, but my favorite fruit is apple. It's okay. It's, you, you don't like sweet that much. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> you follow. So someone may say, okay, I accept Madhuri is the sweetest, but someone may say, but I feel more inclined towards Sakyabhav. Mm. And Krishna Kaviraj Goswami says, each devotee will feel that their own affinity for Krishna, if we speak about real affinity, of course, not imagination, every devotee will feel their affinity for Krishna is the best. 
for themselves, of course, not trying to impose that on others. He said, every devotee will feel their affinity for Krishna is the best, and every devotee is correct. <laughs> Subjectively, this is the best for me. Right. This is the best for you. The problem is when I say this is the best for me, and this should be the best for all of you also. <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> then we enter into the danger of fundamentalism and all this stuff. So, the point is that Ramananda starts and, and reaches the point of describing the glories of Madhurya Prabhu. So, Mahaprabhu says, Can you continue developing this idea? <laughs> so, Ramananda Roy says, Until today, nobody ever asked me to continue further after this. Like implying, Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Ramananda has something to say and he will continue. Nobody asked me this and nobody in the religious history asked more than this. But Mahaprabhu is asking. So he, Ramananda will continue describing the glories of Radha Prem inside the concept of Madhurya Prem. And how Bhagavan himself is conquered by her, interestingly. The Purna Shakti Man, the supreme energetic source, is totally trapped in the in the in the in the loving embrace of Shirada to the point that he falls to her feet and starts to serve her. Now, this was nicely poetically depicted by Jayadev in his Gita Govinda, Dehipada Palavamudharam, famous line. He was writing the Gita Govinda, and at one point comes this this idea of writing Dehipada Palavamudharam, which means at this point Krishna falls to the feet of Shirada and puts his head on her feet. And, and Jayadev said, What's this idea? Nobody said this before me. It's, it, I think I'm writing too much. I will take a break and I will have a walk because I, I, some particular ideas are coming to me. So he didn't write that. And he left <laughs> his pen then and went for a walk. And when he returned, as you may know, <clears throat> his wife was eating, having lunch. And he said, Why, why did you have lunch without me? And she looks at, her, at him and says, What do you say? I mean, you came after like half an hour from your walk, and we already ha have lunch, and I'm finishing. And yeah, they say, no, I'm just coming. So he looks at his room, what he he had the, whatever, the bamboo barks or something where he was writing, and it was like open, he had left them closed, it was open. So he went there, and this line that came to his mind or heart, the Hippada Palabamuda, he said, I won't write this, it's too much, it was written there. <laughs> so he realized, Krishna himself came as myself, as Jayadev Goswami. He wrote the line to confirm, yes, I put my head in the feet, of, in her feet, to her feet. <laughs> that, that's the glory of, of, of Sri Radha. So it says that once Sri Krishna was in, in the intimate service of Sri Radha along with, with the gopis and the manjaris, and at one point Sri Radha enters into Bhami above and starts to give orders to Krishna and says, okay, now you decorate my feet and paint it with luck, luck, you say? Red luck? You say that in English? Luck. Luck? Mm. This red painting on the feet. Oh. Vermilion? Okay, I think they say luck. Maybe I'm mistaken, but well, with that particular ingredient. <laughs> so Krishna takes like like a peacock feather and with the, the other extreme of the peacock feathers, he starts like to take the, the feet of Sri Adam, his feet, and starts like to try to write something and 
but starts to tremble. He cannot do anything. No? And Sri Radha tells to the managers, he doesn't know how to do this. He's <laughs> <laughs> not good artist. You do it. No, no, Krishna, please, please, one, one, one option. One, one more opportunity. And so he starts to... And he starts to write his own name on the feet of Sri Radha. And he starts to write Krishna. Krishna. And his, and his conclusion is, oh my God, my, my name is more fortunate than me, Krishna says, because I would like to eternally reside under the shade of her lotus feet, but I cannot do it on it constantly. But my name is able to do so. So that's why we say Krishna's name is higher than Krishna himself. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is going back to the topic the glories of Radha premise established uh, and then Mahaprabhu starts to there are some other things in between and Mahaprabhu says but you can can you say something more just in case there is something more <laughs> and Ramananda says yeah there is something more there is something more I don't know if you will like it or not. Let's see. And this is called Prembilas Vibharta. So Prembilas Vibharta means to that moment in which Shishirada and Krishna meet each other and in their loving union, they kind of switch identities. And one is so much identified with the other that Radha starts to feel herself as Krishna and Krishna starts to feel himself, himself as Radha. That's describing the the Rasa Shastra. Brembilas Vibharta. Vibharta means like bewilderment. So a bewildered condition where the two of them switch, if you will, their sense of identity, exchanging of roles, if you will. So one may ask in this point, interestingly, well, if Krishna is switching roles and feeling himself Radha, why he appears as Mahaprabhu to, to taste Radha Bhav? If he already is doing that in the Krishna Lila. But that switching of role is not the full measure of the experience of what Radha, who Radha is. It's just some particular experience of her from one vantage point. But as Mahaprabhu, Krishna wants to have the full experience, the full meal, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why <clears throat> Shyam Krishna descends as, as Gore. As they say, here, in, here you use the, this expression, the new black, right? So we say, golden is the new black, we'll say here. <laughs> Gora is the new Sham. Sham now is coming as, as Gora. <laughs> to taste Shirata's Gorangis Bhav. So the point is, uh, this experience, the point is, the, the, the feeling in love is, we want to become one. Not in a monistic way, but when you love someone, you want to become one with that person. In, in, in the ideal, in the interest, and in dynamic union. Again, we don't want to lose the identity, but you want to have some kind of union. So Radha and Krishna want to become one, but when they merge, if you will, in each other, <laughs> Krishna feels himself rather, rather feels himself herself Krishna. So still there are two. <laughs> love is about becoming one. As my Guru Mahesh will say, if I love you, you and I become we. <laughs> no? some unity we there's no longer you I Kavi Karnapur will say that he will paraphrase Shiradharani himself and saying she will say those who say I love you do not know anything about love because if you say I love you still they retain these separate two identities while love has nothing to do with I you but try to become we <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> so the point is, 
uh, the, the problem is Radha and Krishna still switch identities, but still there are two. And the whole idea of love is to become one, to become one. So when this happens, in the figure of Mahaprabhu, which is Radha and Krishna combined in a particular way. Mahaprabhu, Sri Chaitanya, Radha Krishna, Nahayanya, Rupa Nugar, Janera Jivan. Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati says, Mahaprabhu Sri Chaitanya is Radha and Krishna combined. And to speak about this, Rupa Nugara Jivana is the life and soul of the Rupa Nugas, of the follower of Sri Rupa Goswami. So when Ramananda was starting to describe this, actually he was exposing Mahaprabhu. He was showing who really Mahaprabhu is. <laughs> so it is at this moment when Ramananda is reaching the height of his description that Mahaprabhu... Put his, put his hands on the mouth of Ramananda. <laughs> Interestingly. Till now, Mahaprabhu saying, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. Shut up. You are, too, you are speaking too much. This is too much. <laughs> this is too much. And that silence spoke louder than millions of, of mouths, if you will. Gopal, Gopal Shampoo described this silence like the highest state of communication where nothing needs to be said. <laughs> no, when there is this intuition that everything is clear in place, do not ruin the moment saying anything. <laughs> Already something is being said. And again, of course, in one sense, we could say Mahaprabhu shut the, the mouth of Ramananda because he was speaking something very high and trying to show with that example, not everyone is prepared for hearing high topics from day one. That's one level of explanation. But another level is the one I mentioned, Mahaprabhu was being exposed and somehow or other he was trying to hide himself from, from, from Ramananda, but he was not able. Chaitanya Bhagavad says, uh, the Lord is very able, he's very capable of hiding himself, but the devotees are very capable of finding himself <laughs> and showing where he is, basically. So eventually, of course, the result of this is that Mahaprabhu gave darshan to Ramananda Roy, as Radha and Krishna. Mahaprabhu was seeing, Ramananda was seeing Mahaprabhu, and suddenly, from that sannyasi came, the divine, how do you say in English, duat? Duat? Duat, like two. Okay, you get the point. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically he saw this combination of the two, and again he saw the, the sannyas. So basically, we could say that Originally, Mahaprabhu asked Ramananda, speak about the highest goal of life and the way to attain it. And the highest goal of life established ultimately was Mahaprabhu. Not only Radha and Krishna, but Mahaprabhu himself as a, as a goal to attain. Gaur Lila as a goal to attain. Gaur Prem as, as a goal to attain. So all this, in one sense again, converged here in the, in the conversation between Ramananda and Mahaprabhu. Interestingly, after this conversation between Ramananda and Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhu returns eventually to Jagannath Puri and enters into the Gambira and starts more systematically to culture this Radha Bhav. That is the main goal of his life, eventually. And he listened to... Well, of course it began before. As we know, Mahaprabhu, before he was Nimai Pandit, before accepting Sanyas, for a minute, let's go back in the Lila. He accepted sannyas. Uh, sorry, he was Nimai Pandit. Pandit. He was not a Vaishnav. After, before being initiated by Ishwar Puri, he was Pandit. Everyone loved him in Nadia, but 
he was not a Vaishna. All the Vaishnas were, oh, if, if only he would become a Vaishna. That would be, that's the only thing. Is he's like, he's brilliant, he's beautiful, he's great, but he's not a Vaishna. <laughs> and he's all day long doing bullying to the Vaishnas and Nadia, you know, and, and inviting them to debate and wanting to play grammatical tricks and all this stuff. So, but at one point, he rejected that pandit mess, if you will. <laughs> he showed gyan, knowledge, is mundane. This is this famous story. We have some minutes, no problem. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> we have eternity. So, <laughs> once Mahaprabhu was in, in a boat with one disciple of Sarvabhoma, uh, I think Raghunath Siromani was called, and Mahaprabhu was a pandit at that time yet. So this Raghunath Siromani uh, told Mahaprabhu, I want to become the, the highest pandit in the world. Okay, Mahaprabhu said. And say, I, I've, wrote, I've, wrote, I've written a book for that, with that intention. And he showed it to Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu said, okay, by the way, I also wrote one book on logic and grammar. He didn't write anything, but he just manifested one book from his pocket and gave the book to this other pandit. So the pandit started to read the Mahaprabhu's book of logic and Vyakaran grammar, and he started to cry. So Mahaprabhu said, why are you crying? It's a book about grammar. I mean, it's not a very emotional thing. <laughs> it's not, and he said, no, I'm crying because I want to be the topmost pandit with my book. By reading your book, I realized I won't be the topmost pandit because this book is better than you, than mine. And Mahaprabhu said, oh, that's your concern. Give me my book. So he took the book and he threw it to the Ganga. He said, now you can be the topmost pandit of the world. And it is said that he became the most well-known pandit in India, even in the Cyclopedia Britannica, his name. So with this, Mahaprabhu said, knowledge? Well, throw it to the Ganga. That's nothing compared to Bhakti. So eventually he went to all these stages, rejecting knowledge, accepting bhakti, becoming a Vaishnava, accepting sannyas, went to, went, going to Puri, hearing Bhagavad Kata from that other pandit, and eventually reaching this point of Godavari, huh? and being instructed by, by Roy Ramananda. And interestingly, again, after this instruction with Roy Ramananda, Mahaprabhu will ask him, please, I'm going to Puri, back to Puri, join me forever there become my personal assistant. So as we know, Mahaprabhu returns to Puri, he enters into Gambira, and Rao Ramananda, along with Sarup Damodar, the two of them will be accompanying Mahaprabhu, in the, especially in the last 12 years, when Mahaprabhu is no longer a public person, and is absorbing, tasting Radhabab systematically more and more. And at that point, that other pandit cannot be there, but that's another topic, I'm, I'm, I'm going too much. <laughs> because Gadadar Pandit is Sri Radha in Gorlila. And Gadar and Radha is giving her own bath to Krishna as Gore more and more. And there is a point when Radha will in the form of Gadada will disappear totally into the background in total Gopina. And Mahaprabhu Krishna will be tasting along with Radha's closest friends, Lalit and Bishak in the form of mm. hmm, Sadhu uh, and Radha Ramananda. So Ramananda Roy will sing appropriate, uh, appropriate, appropriate verses, and uh, Sarubdhamma will sing proper, appropriate uh, kirtan. So kirtan and harikata, kirtan and harikata. These two are there accompanying Mahaprabhu. This, these two are crucial. Kirtan is connected with Nam and Krishna, and harikata is connected generally with Sri Radha. Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvati Thakur say these things. Now, you, you have to have the two of them together, harikata and Hari Kirtan. If you only have Kirtan with no Harikata, it's like having Krishna without Radha. And with, which Krishna is that one? Mm -hmm. Srila Prabhupada will say, Krishna is beautiful, but he's not that beautiful without Sri Radha. 
<laughs> like implying we want the two together, basically. That's the idea. So in this way, Ramananda accompanied Mahaprabhu to the last, very last day of his, of his presence in this world. And today we are celebrating actually Ramananda Roy's Tirobab, disappearance days. There's not too much information about how he disappeared. But what he mentioned, that I will mention just to finish today, is um, at one point after this interaction, Mahaprabhu makes very brief questions to Ramananda Roy in the Sambad saying, what's the greatest joy in life? What's the great, who is the greatest capitalist? Ramananda will say, the one who has love for God. And at one point is, what's the, great, the greatest distress in life? Mahaprabhu asked Ramananda. And Ramananda will say, Krishna bhakta viraha vinadukka nahi ar. Apart from separation from the Vaishnavas, I do not know any other distress. And of course, then he said, what's the topmost joy? To be with the Vaishnava. <laughs> so today we are celebrating... Krishna Bhakta Viraha, the separation of, of a person, sometimes called Virahotsa, the festival of separation. Separation, the heart grows fonder, and by thinking about separation, the departure of great personalities, actually our mind will go to where those personalities are now. Because their disappearance in, this, in one plane implies their appearance in another plane. You follow someone, Nitya Lila Pravishta. Well, there are need to see this, no? But so again, some words I want to share today regarding Sri Rai Ramananda and his Tirubab Mahotsap. Uh, I don't know if we have some few minutes. If anyone has any questions, something you may like to to share, to compliment, to comment, present here online, whoever, Namras. Um. Ramananda Roy presented Varnashram as as the first thing, and then Mahaprabhu said, "That's external, say something more." So, why is it that we know that when Prabhupada was leaving this world, they they asked him? He said that something that I regret is that I have not established Varnashram to the fullest. Like that's something that's left to to, to establish in my society. Mm-hmm. So why so why was it that? Why is, what's the reason that um, he wanted to kind of establish that when that's something that's considered uh, external or something that's not the, I guess, the highest thing? <laughs> well, um, I mean, the Trila Prabhupada wanted to establish Barnashram or, or a, any other thing for that matter. Not necessarily, it, it has to be the highest thing for him to establish that. I mean, it's not that only he has to establish the highest thing. I mean, if he wants to establish Barnashram, it's in the context of the highest thing. But I think we agree that Barnashram is not the highest thing. I mean, it's not that Ramananda is saying that only himself. Krishna is saying in the Gita, Prabhupada himself was saying so many times, Barnashram is not the all in all, even though he wants to establish that on one level or another. So, he will be a good Pujari for sure. <laughs> He's already. <laughs> further and further. So, 
my point is, yeah, what's the most important thing? Sometimes maybe you have read this type of thing that they both some compile. What Prabhupada say about the most important thing? And there are so many things he say about what's the most important thing and so many different things he's saying. And you have to understand Desha Kala Patra, time, place, circumstance. You know, he may say the most important thing, I don't know, is that Barnashram. The most important thing is Prasant distribution. The most important thing is book distribution. The most important thing is become pure devotee. <laughs> and we have to understand who was the audience, which was the moment. And there, it's not that, I mean, for every person, that may be the most important thing at that moment. Do you follow? Like long, yeah. Immediate, long term, short term, middle term. The most important thing, as we mentioned before, for someone would be where I will sleep tonight. <laughs> That's not the ultimate priority in life, but you need to solve that urgently. <laughs> so the Acharya may speak strongly about that, like in such a way that you feel this is the all in all. It's not maybe the all in all, but they will make that emphasis because they want you to embrace that idea that you need now. So Prabhupada may have, of course, I'm sure, this is my opinion. You are asking my opinion. I'm not trying to impose this on everyone, but... But Prabhupada himself, it's not that he always said Barnashram is the topmost thing. And he didn't even say that at that moment. He just said, I regret that I didn't establish that in a more uh, expanded way. And of course, we know Prabhupada was... The deities are speaking. (laughs) (laughs) That should happen someday. (laughs) Remember, someday you say... Oh, it was my son. No, there was no son. <laughs> Your archana should progress in that direction. Some days, like, oh, <laughs> bring me salt. <laughs> yeah, like we spoke the other day. Huh? You have, you have salt, and you will, you will tell him like Sanatan goes. I don't have salt. Yeah. I told you, I. It's only what I have. <laughs> so, Prabhupada was a really empowered personality, so I will say that in his empowerment, I mean, he had a very epidemic vision, if you will, of Christian consciousness, like flooding the whole planetary system and, and, and due to being surcharged with such empowerment. So that took him also to think in terms of, let's bring the whole uh, born ashram system back into the world, which maybe in practice now, after so many years, we may realize it may not. It may not happen, <laughs> and it not necessarily has to happen. At least in in in, in every single sense of what we think it's the Barman Ashram. That's one. That's my point. I, I don't think that Prabhupada was overtly concerned with the external form of how the Barman Ashram will, but which is the very essence of the Barman Ashram. Again, we should think in term essentially speaking always. So what's Barman Ashram? It means you are. You will be located in society according to your nature you will have some um, um, uh, occupational uh, how do you say it's like yeah it's like occupational therapy according to your nature you will be engaged in society according to your barna your ashram that's that can happen still of course if the whole world becomes Vaishnava that will be applicable to the whole world not necessarily the whole world will become Vaishnava at least personally I do not think so (laughs) And it shouldn't be a problem, that's another point, because sometimes devotees may think, unless the, every single human being on planet Earth becomes a Gaudiya Vaishnava, we are failing. <laughs> there is something else to achieve. That won't happen. I mean, 
And, and I'm not saying that to stop preaching, therefore, I'm not saying that, but the point, Haridas Thakur said that to Mahaprabhu, say, oh, what will happen when all these living entities will become liberated by your grace? Mahaprabhu said, oh, no problem, there are unlimited living entities that will fill again the planet. <laughs> like in plain, it will never happen that everyone will free it, everyone will be in Vaikuntha, and the material creation has no meaning anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Follow. There are unlimited universes, unlimited jivas, unlimited everything. Of course, it doesn't mean, okay, so let's be lazy and do not try to help anyone. No, no, it's not that point either. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> I will say that Prabhupada wanted to, he had to establish an, an organized way of starting for his own devotees and disciples to be properly uh, engaged according to their nature and have some orientation in that regard because... We are relatively bewildered in this modern world about like what to do, should I work in this, should I do that, even on gender issues, so many levels of identity that need to be like integrated for us to be integrated devotees. So I will say that's the, the essential applications of Barn Ashram system. And I, I wouldn't recommend to become like attached to we have to bring back the, the glorious old Vedic era and the Barn Ashram implemented as it's described in the Rig Veda and whatever. <laughs> yeah. And if not, we are failing to... Pro I wouldn't take in that way, but I will take the the essential meaning and application of the Barna from nowadays, because, I mean, we have to understand 50 years have passed, yeah. or, well, a little bit more than from when, when Prabhupada came. In 50, 60 years, the world has changed so much. Mm. I mean, and now the world is changing much quicker than in any other time of the history of humanity. I mean, now in 50 years of our times, things changed as maybe in 400 years before. 400 years before, things changed like this. Now that same change happens in 20 years. <laughs> the same level of change. So we need to really, <clears throat> yeah, learn to think dynamically, how to mm. think, how to apply, how to... Because Barn Ashram is... A relative thing, like it or not. I mean, it's an eternal. Krishna himself creates that. He says, Chaturbanya, Maya, Shishram, and so on. But it's relative in the sense it will accommodate according to the relative disposition in the world of person and its nature. It will take a particular form or another. So, yeah, so many things to consider. No? But I will say that basically. Thank you. And again, if we are to establish that somehow or other, even if you are able to establish Varnashram in the topmost Vedic style, <laughs> still the purpose of that is for you to become Krishna conscious. It's not just Varnashram per se. Varnashram is not the goal. It's just the, like the flying platform, if you will. Like, like if you reach, the, you reach the airport, but you have not taken the plane yet. <laughs> like you reach the airport, okay, where I will fly now? You are in the airport, you are somewhere, you have some platform there. <clears throat> okay. So, something else? Okay, I think we can leave here. We can do some little kirtans. Yeah, okay. Srila Gurudev ki jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan ki jai. Shri Shri Raya Ramananda Tirobab Mahot Sakti Ki Jai Shri Shri Jagannath Baladev Subhadri Ki Jai Shri La Danudar Maharaj Sumi Ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Gaur Pramananda Hari Hari